Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 89 of The Storytellers with Linda Rosen and the Emerald Necklace. Linda is a fitness professional turned novelist. Her stories are all set in the not too distant past, always have an interesting piece of jewelry as part of the story, but the part I enjoy the most is there's always a section on what women do when they transform themselves after obstacles are thrown their way. Linda, welcome back to the Storyteller's Microphone. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you. <laughs> I'm really thrilled. I was lucky enough to be an ARC reader of your Emerald Necklace. So tell us a little bit about the Emerald Necklace. Okay. Well, the Emerald Necklace um, takes place 1969, 70, 71 when women were fighting for equality. And you have Rosalie, an insecure sculptor, and Fran, a best-selling novelist, and they have their issues. Will their bitter envy of each other and their secrets ruin this tenuous friendship? Or will Jill, Rosalie's granddaughter, and the secret behind her emerald necklace bind them together. I know the answer. I know the answer. You know the answer, but we can't tell anybody. <laughs> no, we can't. And I'm I'm so glad you're on the show today because I found your uh, third novel absolutely captivating, and I'm also really intrigued because there is a bombshell in there that I think that you didn't anticipate at all. I was reading it during the summer of 2022. And there is a lot, not only for women's rights, but women's reproductive rights. Let's focus on that and how I think this is going to be a lightning rod for a lot of discussions about the Emerald Necklace. Well, I hope so, but it really was not in the plan. You know, I mean, you know, when you write, things just sort of come to you. When I set out to write The Emerald Necklace, I was not writing a story about women's reproductive rights at all. I was writing a story about the two women. And somehow, through my research, for that period of time, 69, 70, 71, I didn't want I didn't want to focus on the Vietnam War. I didn't want to focus on civil rights. I wanted something different. That was a hot issue at the time. And I found the women's strike for equality, which was in August 1970. And the women were fighting for equal rights, um, equality in the boardroom, equality in the house, uh, free abortion, free childcare, a lot of stuff. And the story the whole abortion thing sort of just came to me in the story and how what was going to happen between Fran and Rosalie with that topic. And while I was writing it, Roe v. Wade was the law. Um, and as I was finishing it, it was gone. And, and it was, I oh my gosh, what do I do? Can I, how do I publish this? You know, what do I do with it now? 
I think that was so striking because I was reading the arc and I just, you know, and, and I'm going along, I'm going along in the middle of me reading um, the Emerald Necklace, Roe v. Wade disappeared. And I, I would have had those exact same questions, but I think it's so important because one of the things I like that you did, and you do this in um, Sisters of the Vine as well, the, the camaraderie of the sisters, the intergenerational play, which you do so well in this particular book, everybody has a different point of view. And would you talk about how you struck that balance? Because there's very different points of view about many things in the book, the, the secret about the necklace, but also about the RV uh, Rose versus Wade issue. Yeah, but I really wanted to have my characters be real people and real people have differences of opinion. Um, and even within yourself, you could have questions and differences of opinion, um, depending on how you think of the issue. So that just really came naturally to me. It wasn't that I said, well, this one's going to be pro-life and this one's going to be pro-choice. That, that wasn't an issue. It's just, it's really what we all have within ourselves. And if you sit with a group of women who have their own backstories, which like Fran has her story. And then you have, oh, excuse me, I have to put my phone on vibrate. And then, then you have the younger one, Jill, who's just going off to college and this is 1970. Um, you know, it was the time of the second phase of feminism. So Jill had one mindset where her grandma Rosalie was coming from another mindset and Fran who had other history um, was coming from another one. And then you had all the other women who were talking about adoption and the pros and the cons and so I really, it just sort of, the words just fell onto the page. I really have to say that it was not a plan. It just poured out of me. And they did, I'm, I'm sure. But that also took an incredible amount of research. So will you talk a little bit about your research arc and how that works for you in this book particularly? Yeah. Um, it was a lot of research. Uh, I took a Deep dive, when the whole idea of abortion came up to me, I took a deep dive into what abortions were like in the 1920s and 30s. Um, and I learned about herbal abortions, which nobody wants anymore. Um, but that, that was fascinating. And then I was very fortunate to speak to women who were willing to share their stories with me. So I was getting gut feelings about having had abortions. I also um, took a deep dive into the strike for equality and I was very fortunate to meet virtually women who had been in New York City at the strike and young women who were in their 20s at the time. And that really helped me, I think, make those scenes come alive. I mean, my editor actually thought that I was there. And I don't know why I wasn't, because I was in New York in August of 1970, but I have no memory of it. Do you? No, not at all. <laughs> I and no I, I would have been probably in Washington, D.C. at the time, but I'm sure Washington, D.C. must have had some parallel. Oh, they had a march, too. Every, yeah, they, everywhere was having yeah. the march. Um, so I was finding 
all this information that was going on while I was a young woman and I was not aware of all that that was happening. Well, we really do stand on the shoulders of others, don't we? Oh my gosh. Oh, we do. And I, I really tried to bring that into the book because I made Rosalie's mother, who was deceased since Rosalie's 63 years old, I think in the story or something like that. Um, she was one of the suffragists who, you know, fought to get the vote. And it's just a little part of me. I had to bring in the Women's National Book Association and how that began because Rosalie's mother was a bookseller and women booksellers were rare way back in the early 1900s. So um, I, I don't know. I just kind of let the words come and let the story flow. And I was happy writing it. You and I have talked many times about the pure joy of sitting down and having our fingers touch that keyboard. You are a fitness professional turned novelist. And um, I, I've heard your story before about how you dove into this with your first book, but you keep writing. So what is the magic of this for you? Oh my gosh, like you say in the eaves, we're never done. Um, I don't know. I started writing and I can't stop now. I really, I just get in a zone. I love it when I sit down and I'll be honest, I don't do it every day and I let times go, you know, but I just really truly love playing with words and making my sentences even better. Um, there's something about similes and metaphors that I like to play with also. Um, so the character in my first book, yes, I brought in the fitness professional part, but I haven't done that in any of the other books, except the reason that the Emerald Necklace finally got written had to do with me being a fitness professional because I had a client, oh my gosh, back in the early 2000s, I had an elderly woman as a client. Her name was Rosalie. I loved Rosalie. And every week she had a group of women who would meet in her home. It was their own kind of salon. And they talked about books and movies and music and political stuff and just everything. And I always got this idea of writing a book about a group of women who would be sitting around and I wound up putting it on a front porch, but sitting around together talking about stuff. And I put that on the back burner because I didn't know what they were going to talk about. And I had to make a story out of it, but I was going to call it Tea at Rosalie's. Well, the title changed, the story formed, but I did get the words Tea at Rosalie's in there. It is in one of the chapters. <laughs> That's a lovely tribute to her. I love the scene of uh, the scenes of the women on the porch. I love that sense of community. And when I was doing research for our time together today, I kept on thinking that what was very much paramount to your work, not only the never being done uh, theme that you and I share, but your work, not only in your novels, but in your work associated with writing novels is very much about community. Women's Fiction Writers Association, Women's National Book Association, book clubs that you had. Would you talk about the importance of community? 
I don't know if I'd have book three if it wasn't for community. Because writing is really very, I mean, it's solitary. You're, you know, all by yourself. That's not who I am. I need to be with people. And it's the community. I, I really believe the community is what keeps me writing. I love the people I've met besides you. Thank you. <laughs> but I've, my life has grown. I, it's blossomed from all the community. And Bookish Road Trip was a huge, huge community for me. I mean, is, not was. Um, truly, I, my life has changed from, I think any writer would say their life has changed once they had their first book published and like to have three or these people who have 20. I mean, my gosh, I don't know if I'll be around for 20. But um, my life has changed from it. Community is so important just for my soul yes it's important to get your word out and to meet others and to meet readers but it's for my soul really and i think that feeds into why i always write about girlfriends too because girlfriends are really important in our lives Oh, they are. And just for a point of clarity, the Bookish Road Trip is a Facebook group and Instagram page and so much more that Linda and I are both members of and find it to be one of our favorite, uh, if not our favorite, bookish home. So you can check that out at bookishroadtrip.com and learn about multiple newsletters, um, the book club, and uh, so much more. One of the things that I have learned from you, Linda, also goes back to this idea of community. And I learned the importance of critique groups. Um, would you share some of your insights on that? Sure. Okay. I, I joined a critique group right when I started writing. I was in a writer's workshop and we all decided that we wanted to get together in Barnes and Noble one night and talk about well, anyway, over the years, I've been in different groups. I've been with the same one now for nine years. Reading aloud to a group, because this is the way mine works, reading my words aloud to a group for a maximum of 10 minutes, usually less. I hear my story. I hear the way it's, you know, the words, how they're coming out. And I find things as I'm reading it that I need to change. But I'm also getting feedback from what the others are hearing. And it has helped me tremendously fine tune my own work. I mean, especially with my first book, the group I was in at the time really did not like my main character. And I was having none of that <laughs> until I realized that they were right and all the reasons that they were saying, and it sent me back, you know, changing her. Um, critique groups can be great. They can be awful. For people it all really depends on what you're looking for and uh how you handle it uh you have to have a thick skin but you have to be gentle to others be complimentary as well as helpful and i enjoyed writing the chapter for launchpad uh the countdown to writing your book on critique groups. There's so much more in there about it. But I know of people who really enjoy and are 
love having their critique groups and other people who really want to do it alone. But even those people will have a critique partner. What I learned from you was to be less afraid of putting my work out there. I think that you, you highlighted before that uh, being in a, a writer is a very seri- so- solitary piece of work. It's a solitary day. And when I think about putting my work out there, it's a very naked, if you will, um, yeah. experience. So you taught me to not be so afraid of just getting feedback. Not to be so afraid, but it's it, okay. We can't just all jump into it the first day because you are going to get hurt or not hurt, or you're going to, you're only going to like the nice stuff and you're not going to want to hear the other stuff. But as long as it's said to you or you say it to others with compliments also and being helpful rather than trying to knock somebody down, I think we can all take the critique you know it's not criticism it's a critique and that that's super helpful to draw that distinction as well um so you say that you always have to write what is next for you your book has just launched um and hopefully you are celebrating the emerald necklace um, and (laughs) and all that it uh, will bring and uh but i also know you i bet you have more planned what's next Well, I've been playing with something since last summer, actually, but between getting the book done and then all the marketing beforehand, it's kind of on, you know, just sitting in the back burner. But now every once in a while I get back to it. Um, This time I decided it was going to be in dual timeline because I wrote that in my first book and I really love dual timeline. And um, it's also in the not too distant past and you're going to have women friendships in there and there will be a piece of jewelry. Um, I can't say much more now, except I am playing with using letters in the book, letter writing in the book. I like that. I I used emails back and forth. And it's interesting because it gives you multiple different points of view within your own head at the same time. So what is it about the jewelry? This will be book four coming out with more jewelry. Um, and the emerald necklace has the beautiful necklace on the cover. So what is it about the jewelry? How did that happen for you? It just happened. My first book was about a cameo. I mean, it wasn't about a cameo pin, but it was the cameo brooch, the antique brooch that set the story off. And then when my second book came out, um, I had a diamond in there. And actually, the fabulous Lisa Montanero, who was branding me, said, that's your brand. And I had no idea. And she made me realize it, which helped me to start writing the emerald necklace. I knew I had to have a piece of jewelry in the story. So that kind of helped me sort of set the story going. Okay, what's it going to be and why am I having it? And now it's really fun. Like I'm trying to come up with all kinds of different pieces of jewelry. So if anybody out there has a unique pair of earrings from the early 1900s, send me a picture because I'm, I need a little muse to create this one. I don't have the jewelry set yet. I know it's earrings. That's all. Oh, I love that. that our, our listeners can be involved in your next book by sending in a, piece, a picture. Right. To you. So that would be great. So Linda, tell people how people can find you. Okay, well, they can find me on my website, Linda-Rosen.com. 
com, and there's an email there that you can send it to me from. Send me your earrings. Well, maybe <laughs> yes, not the earrings. Maybe a picture. You can read the first chapter or an excerpt from the first chapter from the Emerald Necklace on my website, linda-rosen.com. Linda, thank you for being a guest here on The Storytellers. Thank you. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.